The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Pachak Supporting Subscribers. Go to arttrap.com slash supporter to become a supporting subscriber. Support the show and get extra content and other bonuses. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash podshock. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch, now in the iTunes App Store. Stop laughing, this is serious. Oh, I can't help it, can I, with you and your big old face? Get out. Well, plainly, I can't. Something nearby is leeching all the external dimensions. Aliens. Possibly. Well, who am I kidding? Probably. Senses are done and the carpet's taking off with it in this state. Clara, I need you to pick up the TARDIS. Carefully. It should be possible. I've adjusted the relative gravity. You mean you made it lighter? Clara, it's always lighter. If the TARDIS were to land with its true weight, it would fracture the surface of the Earth. Yeah, maybe a story for another time. What now? I've managed to get a rough fix on the source of the dimensional leaching. It's roughly northwest. That way. You're going to need these. Oh, wow. This is an honor. Does this mean I'm you now? No, it does not. So don't get any ideas. And listen, stick this in your ear. Can you hear me? Yeah. Ow! What just happened? Nanotech. Just hacked your optic nerve. What does that mean? I see what you see. Never to tell me your name. No time to fraternize. Come on, get rid of him. I'm, um... I'm the doctor. Don't you dare. Dr. Oswald. <clears throat> you can call me Clara. I'm Rigsy. So, uh... What are you a doctor of? Of lives. Well, I'm usually quite vague about that. I think I just picked the title because it makes me sound important. My Dr. Oswald, you are hilarious. Can we get back to work, do you think? What are you exactly? You don't smell like police, but that's some pretty cool gear you got there. You like a spy or something? <laughs> Oh, he's a bright one. Hang on to him. He was the last one to go missing. And when he disappeared, all the doors and windows were locked. From the inside. Oh, now you're talking. I love a good locked room mystery. Live from inside your walls, it's Doctor Who. Podshock. Gallifreyan Embassy presents Doctor Who Podshock, episode 315. <laughs> this is Lewis Trapani, and joining me on this episode is one and not so flat, Dave A.C. Cooper. Hey, Dave. Hi, Lewis. Good to be here. You're not feeling a little flat, are you? No, no, I'm feeling absolutely buoyed up. Um, yeah, I'm sure you'll uh, you'll uh, welcome me into the 3D world soon. Cool. So we'll have to like put our 3D glasses on for this episode. Yep. Uh, have you got a two Ds on you? A <laughs> two Ds. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, called it. I, I I certainly. Well, I have a a, a three Ds. <laughs> 
Funny enough, it looks like it looks like one of those um, what podcasters use. You know, you know the. Uh, with the, with the two crossover mics, and, I have uh, one. Things. Yes, I have. It's a it's a Zoom. Um, that's the what's the, that's the three model. I think I can't keep can't keep up with the models. Yeah, I have one of those. Uh, I love I, that name you gave it though. A two disc. I'm using a, its sibling right now as a digital external digital recorder, but I, I could have just as easily used that as well. But I, I use the other one. Um, it's it's a smaller device, but um, doesn't look as sci-fi but it does the does the job that i needed to do takes up less space you know it's smaller on the outside maybe smaller than it should be but this is huge this is really huge well not literally but i mean it's (laughs) uh, it was i guess it was a fun episode but we'll you know before we go any further obviously we are going to be reviewing flatline which is the latest doctor who story in um just a moment and uh, um but before we do is there any um, any major news to? Oh, there is. The, uh, let's see. Let's see, this is what happens when I miss my own staff meetings. Ah. <laughs> Sadly, yeah, we have um, a passing to to announce. Um, Michael Hayes, television director and producer, who has um, directed fourteen episodes of Doctor Who. Um, you know, within the Tom Baker era, 1973, in, in the years 1978 to 79, has uh, passed away at the age of, ni- of 85. Um, he's, d- he's done Zed Cars, um, um, Sherlock Holmes, and um, other things as well. All Creatures Great and Small, which um, has a, a doctor in it as well, Peter Davison. This is one of the things with... I mean, it's, it's sad for the family. I mean, that's the important thing, but uh, it's almost inevitable for a show that's been running so long. Yes, yeah. Well, it's over 50 years now that the show's been running, so, I mean, we've, we've had our share a lot of, uh, you know, announcements like this, so it's always sad when when this happens. So um, so we uh, bid a fair, fond f- farewell and rest in peace to... Um, Michael Hayes and uh, um, and our condolences go out to um, to his family. He's also done a serial, of, uh, you know, being that we probably have a lot of science fiction fans out here. Um, um, Andromeda in nineteen sixty one, which predates Doctor Who. Oh yeah, I mean he's done lots of stuff that's not science fiction. The the fa- famous in the UK, the Oneidian line, and when the boat comes in to. Mm-hmm. Marvelous series that I enjoyed watching. All right. Well, moving on to other news, um, I guess uh, we usually kind of go over some of the overnight figures. Kyle had some put some in chat already. Four point five five million for this episode. Over that's the UK figures, overnight UK figures. That's right. Yeah. It, I mean, uh, compared with something like Strictly Come Dancing, which was over nine million it doesn't sound that brilliant but uh, again if the uh, i know it follows immediately it's not on at the same time as strictly come dancing strictly come dancing, but it um it's quite a light uh, a late start time again because uh, strictly come dancing is is running long at the moment with most of the dancers still on board it's only been going about three weeks now uh, so whether the the later time, I mean, sometimes I think it's shown too early. I mean, it's been shown as early as six thirty-five, I think, uh, in earlier series. But it's it was going out at something like um, I think it was uh, eight twenty-five this time, and it went out at eight thirty-five last week, which was about mm. the latest one time that it gone out. 
Yeah, that's uh, well after tea time. Uh, no doubt. Yeah. Um, but for instance, uh, going back to the previous week, Mummy on the Orange Express, the final ratings for that are in on Doctor Who News .net as well. Uh, that's 11, uh, 7.11 million. So you're basically gaining another 2 million from uh, people either watching it on uh, BBC3. And I have got a correction, which I did put on uh, on text, but nice to put on audio. Uh, when you asked me when the repeats went out on the BBC3, mm -hmm. I think I said erroneously uh, the Monday. Well, it's not. It's the Sunday. Um, uh, and I think it's just gone out Sunday at uh, 7 p.m. It goes out. Um, uh, and it was, by the way, it's very quickly onto the BBC iPlayer. Uh, and the other factor about the BBC iPlayer now that will extend these uh, viewing figures uh, further is the fact that uh, the retention times now on the iPlayer is up to 30 days. So yes, I heard that's that. That's surely going to gather. Yeah, that's surely going to gather another, you know, half million million. Uh, downloads on the BBC iPlayer over the course of a month rather than the previous eight days limit. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. You know, um, I, I, I think it's great extending to 30 days. Yeah, there's, um, yeah, I, I noticed in, in iTunes, though, I mean, I, I don't mean to sound an alarming bell or anything like that. And I'm sure I'm just reporting what I've seen that uh, at least here in the U.S. Um, and on iTunes, uh, it's no longer in the top 10 as far as series go. But I should also note that it's also the fall here, autumn, and this is when all the television networks usually premiere their new um you know, television series, you know, either returning series or new um, new series. So I think all the new stuff has pushed Doctor Who, um, which started in August, um, off the top 10, at least for the time being. Yeah, I mean, I think Series 3 of Arrow, there's the new Gotham, there's uh, even Big Bang Theory, which obviously isn't science fiction, but has a, a great cult following. Yeah, yeah. So again, I, I, I'm not sounding an alarmist bell. I'm just um, explaining. All right. Any other any other news to uh, um, to report? I don't think so. Is uh, there? Not really. Not not uh, dramatic. I mean, um, not that I uh, covered expertly. Uh, there, it does seem as though in the movie world, DC Comics is getting its act together and uh, realising that Marvel's running away with the, all the film titles, but um, I'd have to defer to other people's expertise uh, on the timing of that, but I do know that uh, there seem to be more of their um, projects you know, already pencilled in for the next one, two or three years. They suddenly find that I think Marvel has been really dominating in, in many ways, um, you know, the, some of the big budget movies that come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, they, they really um, it's like a franchise, you know. Yeah, but uh, Doctor not Doctor related. Yeah. Uh, other than, of course, you, you, uh, one of the other things that they have on the big on the red button and on the iTunes is the the, the extras that are still running, and, and the extra on this one was quite interesting because it it, it uh, gave you quite a bit of information about. Uh, this Christopher Fairbank and things. So, yeah, there's um, watching if you can. Again, if you if you if you not Christopher Fairbank. Sorry, that was the guest star. The actual um, um, the actual author. 
should say, uh, Jamie uh, Masterson. Yes, the the writer there. Um, if you if you do subscribe, if you have the se- if you have the season pass for in iTunes, you'll get them. Um, and also, you know, what I was thinking was that in um, I think in the past I had said that they're on Amazon, but they 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 list them as unavailable. So what I'm thinking is that what I I should have you know looked into it further. Uh, perhaps if you buy the season at Amazon, they're probably available to you. They're just not available for individual um, purchase or renting or whatever. So I think that's probably why it comes up as unavailable. It's listed there, so obviously they have it, but it just comes up unavailable because I don't. I'm getting them. Through, why should I? You know, I'm not going to buy them twice over. <laughs> it's the same material. So, uh, so since I, I, I don't, I don't have a season pass on Amazon, so that's why it's coming up um, unavailable to me. So I think that uh, let, not, that not resolves that mystery. Yeah, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Uh, yeah, not news, but uh, as background as well to this uh, new writer that's done these two back-to-back episodes, Jamie Matheson. Um, and let me thank um, Perry G on this one then. Uh, uk. He's put up a few uh, blog posts there, We're giving some background about how he got these scripts accepted and uh, some of the rewrites that they did and some of the information about it uh, and some of the drawings, because this is a writer who seems to submit uh, yes. his uh, yes. he, ske- with, with sketches and yeah. visual things. Yeah, that's uh, they were explaining that in the extra uh, for this episode. Yeah. Uh, the extra talk to you extra is like a 10-minute or 11-minute um, short that gives a little behind the scenes of each episode. And um, like I said, they're available on iTunes and Amazon and um, and through BBC, um, Red Button, and um, wasn't there somewhere else on the BBC? The iPlayer. The iPlayer. I think it's you. on the iPlayer. Okay. Um, they, they may be elsewhere as well, where wherever you can, um, you know, get Doctor Who. Um, it's well, well, the BBC does have a YouTube page. I'm not, I've not checked there recently, so oh. it may be on that. Yeah, I, I, I somehow, I'm guessing, um, I'm guessing they're not not on YouTube only be, unless it's, you know, um, a paid YouTube thing. Only because they're they they seem to be exclusives on, um, you know, for for season pass buyers on iTunes and Amazon. So I'm assuming they they wouldn't release them on. YouTube, at least not right right now, I'm guessing. And the advantage of doing this call live is that we have very helpful people in the chat client. Yes. And Dragon Time Lord, thank you very much. But, um, the first director uh, on Doctor Who, Morris Hussain, is to be honoured at this year's Asian Media Awards uh, for Outstanding Contribution Award. Thank you for that. And, uh, of course, you've interviewed him, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, we've uh, had him on the show a few times. Um, it's he's a, a great fellow. Really enjoyed, um, you know, interviewing him and talking with him, and um, that's great that he's being honored. Yeah, he's um, he, he directed the very you know, very first uh, Unearthly very Child, yeah. um, along with the the Trial of Gum, as as some people refer to it, the 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 all four <laughs> story, all four episodes. Um, uh, and I don't think I don't know whether we mentioned it at the time, but the actual. Uh, the Adventure in Space and Time documentary. I'm sure that's up for another award at the moment. Um, oh, yeah. Is it? I mean, it's it's um, from last um, year. Adventure in, Space, uh, Adventure in Space and Time nominated for an Emmy. This was Monday the 13th of October. Uh, 
uh, drama based on the birth of Doctor Who and Adventure in Time and Space. Of course, there's an actor depicting Morris and Sane in that. Um, uh, it has been previously nominated for the BAFTA Award and the Critics' Choice Award, uh, but lost out in both cases. But now it's nominated for International Emmy Award, and I put the link into the room for that. Fantastic. Um, I also want to just, um, since you did a, a verbal correction, I, I also want to, um, last week I was uh, about to get an email from someone who sent, was gracious enough to send an email um, concerning um, our review from the previous week, which was um, The Caretaker. But la so, but last week we were reviewing the, um, you know, Mummy on on the Orient Express, and I was trying to get that email, and it was um, I, I couldn't find it. So it, it, since that time, I did find it. So I just wanted to quickly, since um, you know we, we were t talking about what things mean and all that. So he had wrote. This is Ian Kurt had sent in an email saying, in the UK, White Lightning is a brand of cider. It's a strong and cheap, and it um, and it comes in two liter plastic bottles, and that's um, over four. U.S. pints. Um, so anyway, he he gives a um, a URL which it's kind of long, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do it here. But you can um, uh, he, he, there's a yeah, review. The main reason for it being mentioned in the story was that that and alcohols were uh, the the drink of choice for mm -hmm. underage drinkers in the UK that perhaps try and get an adult to go and buy the stuff for them, either because it's sweet and they can get the alcohol down. Are it's sold in large, cheap uh, amounts. It's not to say that the, the drink is either good or rubbish. It's just to say it's one of choice for those people that uh, like to drink uh, in the swing parks in the middle of the night. Yes. As Dave had mentioned, we have a live chat going on while we're doing the live show, and you can join that chat on TalkShoe.com if you go to Talk shoe not show but shoe as in what you wear on your feet talkshoe.com um you'll be able to join in the live chat there there's uh two different ways there's a web um way to do it i believe and i i usually just go to the talkshoe live pro which is a um a java client that that runs on um both platforms on you know any java capable computer and um and use that um, you can also call in, as always. Uh, the number um, is 724-444-7444 to call in. And if you're calling and you're not on the using the, one of those um, clients I just mentioned, you can uh, just put star 8, asterisk 8, to put yourself in the queue. The call ID for the show is 23358. And the reason why I'm saying all this and um, for the benefit of those that are listening after the fact, if you can't make it here on a Sunday afternoon when we record these things live, perhaps you're elsewhere and you just want to uh, call in and listen to the show live and, and, um, and um, chime in and you're not able to do it on your computer, you can still do that. So again, a call ID is 23358 for Dr. Vipachak and the number to call is 724-444-7444. And um, but you can also leave feedback on um, our, you know, anytime, not just during the live recording. If you go to our website, podshock.net, and uh, there's a feedback tab there, it will describe different ways to leave feedback. There's a Dr. Podshock public call box. And we've gotten some feedback and we're going to get to those feedbacks that we've gotten so far. Um, you know, when um, when we're back in the studio doing some studio recordings, we'll get those feedbacks in on the show. All right, 
Well, I think we can, um, you know, we can just about start our review. But as always, before I do, spoilers, spoilers again, spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. All right, so if you haven't seen Flatline, which is the latest Doctor Who episode that went out yesterday, we are reviewing it in this episode of Doctor Who Podshock, so you may want to hold off and listen to this show when, um, when, you, have, when you have seen Flatline. It's, um, it's directed, as, uh, as Dave had just mentioned, by Jamie Matheson, uh, who had uh, not directed, he wrote, I'm sorry, he's written the story, which he, he I believe he wrote last week's story, right? That's correct, yeah. And it's directed once again by Douglas McKinnon. And this is um, the ninth episode of this series. And it's... Yeah, and, um, I'm sorry. I was just to say, sorry, on the, on the wiki page it says 45 minutes, but actually had a shorter running time. I think it was under 44 minutes. I think it was 30, uh, 43 minutes and... So many seconds. It was. I, yeah, I think it was forty-three. And I, this, I think you're right. Yeah. I think it was like forty-three. Well, th- this is. And it was filmed. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Times the other one, though. Yes, I was just going to say the, this. The, this the, is the the quote okay. Doctor Light story. You know where it's not really Doctor Light, but but it's where the Doctor and Clara are both separated for most of the episode, just like last week's, which which had Clara trapped into in a train car. Here we have uh, the Doctor trapped in the TARDIS for most part of the episode, so they're able to shoot scenes simultaneously when they're not together, so they can shoot both episodes, you know, at the same time. Where um, there's only limited scenes where they're together, where they, you know, so that's how that's how they do it. Um, what's interesting is uh, both episodes feature trains back to back. I think that's probably. I mean, I haven't done the research, but it's probably a first for Doctor Who, where you have two different stories going back to back that both feature trains prominently in the episode. Yep. Uh, forgive me, I'm just having some iced tea. <laughs> okay, if, I'm just saying that because if you hear ice cubes, that's that's what you're hearing. <laughs> What's that sound I hear in my ears? So, yeah, I thought this episode started off very well. I, I really enjoyed, um, you know, this whole process of the shrinking of the exterior of the TARDIS. And it just puts my mind back to, what is it, Legopolis, where we, we've last seen that with um, when the TARDIS um, is um, shrunken down the last time we've seen something like that. Yes, uh, I mean we, we we had the the fourth doctor shrunken in one of his stories, but uh, it was the Gopolis where uh, things were shrunk. Uh, uh, but you can go all the way back to um, is it Planet of the Giants mm. the first Doctor? Yeah, it's it's been, it's been a while since I've seen that. I was it um, did they shrink or was it just that they were they they were on another planet that they were shrunk? Okay. Well, yeah, well. We shouldn't say that might be a spoiler. Oh, but, okay. Yeah, well, uh, for all intents and purposes, they are very, very small, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. And I love the effect. You know, the the effect that they did with um, with Peter Capaldi in the TARDIS. You know, full size, and within the shrunken TARDIS, and um, you know where his face is there when they're you know in the miniature TARDIS, and his face is like taking up the whole entire span of the door of both doors, and. Um, I think they they just uh, did that very well. This this is 
this episode has a lot of like CG in it, so you know, I'm sure you know. Obviously, this is an effect that they were able to do that way. It was done excellent in the uh, CGI and, and in many many scenes. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. uh, in some ways that you, you you think, although they were these, this was double bank, these two episodes with the mummy, uh, both both of them were quite effect heavy yes. episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, there was an awful lot of that in the uh, the, the mummy in the way that was characterised, uh, and then we had the reveal of the. Uh, the train, you know, when the Victoriana was uh, was peeled back to show the lab. Um, so there's an awful lot. Um, I'm still not quite sure why they actually did a double bank on this, because as we said, we're down to 12 episodes this week. The usual reason for it is trying to get 13 episodes done so that they have time to film uh, the Christmas episode. Um, well, you, you, maybe it where, still comes down to scheduling. I'm guessing maybe they they only had allowed it, uh, you know, only had so much time that they were able to shoot. Even if it's even if it's reduced by an episode, maybe, um, you know, I don't know, uh, the BBC resources or whatever, they can only pay. I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing here. Yeah, I don't want to, you know, put words in um, other people's mouths, but maybe the, the, they they could, they only had enough resources to shoot for X amount of weeks. Perhaps right. I don't know. Uh, it may go back to some theory I think you had right at the beginning, which is um, that the first uh, extended length one might have been originally going to be a two-parter, and that would have meant it would have been 13 episodes. And then, because uh, some people felt as though that was a when they decided that it was going to be shown in the theatre. Uh, they would extend it to make it more of a, a movie-like experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a possibility. Uh, the other alternative explanation could have been that it was a two-parter that they amalgamated into one... Because that was about 74 minutes long, I think, which is substantially longer than this, 21 minutes more than this was. Anyway, for whatever reason, um, the very fact that it was the same uh, writer for both, and this was the story that he... Uh, he um, he put forward, he pitched this story, and it was after this was um, uh, accepted that they then said, would you like to do another one? And the mummy one, although it it's, it's, was shown in running order first, he wrote that one afterwards, which, although these two stories are quite different, uh, they bookend very nicely in terms of some of the themes that are running through, mm-hmm. with the, the Clara, you know, uh, being... Uh, berating the the doctor for some of his you know uh, what seemingly heartless uh, attitude to people dying and this that and the other and his aloofness and standoffishness and uh, seemingly not to care when he explains about well uh, if they're all bad choices you're still going to make that choice and here Clara is very well put after some fun and games with the fact that she's going to be the Dr. Donna. I mean, do, did I say Dr. Donna? <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Clara. Uh, uh, she realises that... Um, uh, oh, what's that famous Spider-Man one, Lewis? going to say it. With great power comes... Great responsibility. Great responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> and she's learning that lesson in this story, isn't she? Yeah. She, yeah. she realises she might not be able to save them all. And what would the doctor do in this uh, uh, when she's cut off from him, uh, when it's gone into this clampdown, this siege mode? What would the doctor do? And then she has this uh, eureka moment. No, what would I do? Yeah. In other words, she realises that she has to be self-sufficient and come up with a solution. Uh, and 
to the point where in which uh, there's one point where the doctor's almost resigned he may not out of this um is 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 as a slightly soppy moment where he thinks he did good clara and that is a uh, something that he rescinds later on when he says to her now um uh, you did exceptionally well good has nothing to do with it yeah. but that's jumping the gun because mm -hmm. we've had an awful lot before that talk to me talk to me <laughs> Clara, the mural! Clara, it's the mural! Over there, look! The mural! We've found the missing people. They're in the walls. What do I do? Act normal. Get everyone out. They're very realistic. Who painted them? I don't know. A local artist, probably a grieving relative. Yeah, did you ever meet them? Or did they just appear after people disappeared? And who are you when you're at home, love? The subway is unsafe. Everyone needs to leave right now. This is black. Try again, sweetheart. What? Takes quite a lack of imagination to beat psychic paper. Stan, do your job. Clara, stop him! So that, that was one of the two major um, guest stars on this episode. That was, um, I believe, uh, John Cummins, from, uh, who plays Roscoe. And um, the other is uh, Jovian Wade, who plays Rigsby. Rig Rigs Rigsby. Uh, Jovian or, Wade, yeah. Um, but the, or is the, that Fenton? The, the, the is that Chris, Christopher the, the Fairbank? Talking, yeah. Okay. It was, yeah, the, the man who's, who, who didn't recognise anything on the psychic paper, um, which shows him to be somewhat of a, do, a dullard, yeah. uh, is the uh, Fenton, played Fenton. as you quite rightly yeah. say, by I, Christopher Fairbank, yeah. who uh, we could spend um, quite a long time going through uh, what he's been in, but um, he's been in, in, in lots and lots of stuff. Uh, some of it's science fiction, even in Sapphire and Steel way back in 1982. Oh, very good. Yeah, he's uh, well. <laughs> I guess that that was the role that the the part that was uh, laid out for him to be a little um, unimaginative. So um, I think he 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 played that part very well. Yeah, yeah. Here in the UK, he's most famously known for playing a character called Moxie in Alvida Same Pet, which isn't science fiction at all, but is a a great series. Well, it's been about. Uh, that that's had a, a, about five series from '93 to 2004, but if you if you ever get to see Alvida Sane, uh, that's great. But he's been in all sorts of things. Uh, but um, yeah, a rather unlikable character. But I think they were painting him in such a way mm -hmm. uh, to be like that. Yeah. Uh, just for that line where you know the psychic favor has no effect on him. And I thought the young lad was very good, as you you. Uh, uh, mentioned, um, yeah, he uh, he was almost the played the companion role to uh, Clara's doctor role in this in this story. Yeah, she met him fairly early on, and um, and she he seemed to get on with her very well, and so the the, the two were working together in many ways. Yeah, 
He's been in... Uh, the, the young lad has been in Big School, which is the comedy which Catherine Tate is in. Uh, oh. That's got a running... I don't know whether he's on the present series of it, but he was in the first series, mm-hmm. six episodes of the first series of that. So he's done a little bit of TV work and casualty and so on. I think um, one of the things you can say about this episode is where last week there was a very clear distinction between you know the main characters uh, and and the non-speaking parts. Uh, even although some of them only had a few lines to say, most of these people there you know played their part. You know the, the police, the police woman. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that disappears into the carpet, uh, even the chap at the beginning on the phone, uh, and uh, this little gang of uh, uh, misfits, shall we call them, uh, doing the uh, are, are supervising people doing community work and so on. Uh, it worked well, and of course they were outside, they're on location in Bristol, um, uh, and I believe that that uh, tunnel that we're in has been used in uh, Sherlock. Um, if oh, anybody watches yeah, I remember Sherlock, that. Yeah. Uh, I think it was the Blind Bank episode where yeah. um, um, uh, one of them gets kidnapped mm-hmm. and is tortured in, yeah. the, in the things. So it's been used for that. Yeah, I, I, I see it right now. I mean, I didn't, I, not while watching it, I didn't realize it, but now that you mention it, I can see the similarities, yeah. I know, I did see. What now? Give me a minute. I'm working on it. Another flat handle. They were here. Not now. They stopped chasing us, I think. It feels like they're cornering us. You can't apply human logic. You're dealing with creatures from another dimension. That's three X's. All blocked by those creatures. Briggsy, where's the next exit? The only other one I can think of is where the old line joins the new, but it's a fair walk. Getting through that door will be quicker. But we can't, can we? Just saying. Clara, I might be able to help with that door. Give me five minutes. This one of mine. Do you like it? Yeah, not bad. So this thing that you've been working on? I think I've figured out a way to restore three dimensions, at least on a small scale, say a door handle. So what's that then, a D-flattener? We're not calling it a D-flattener. This should be able to restore dimensions. See what I called it? 2D is. 2D is. No, 2D is. It's called the 2D is. <laughs> oh, I don't even bother. We'll give it a go then. 2D is. <laughs> I love that, yeah. There was, uh... We learn quite a bit about the TARDIS in this one, don't we? I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I suppose it's always been evident the fact that with all the internal space of the TARDIS, it must have a, a significant weight factor to it, uh, whether that's transcend- transcendental weight or whatever they call it. Uh, but um, I like the fact that the Doctor says to Clara, it always weighs less than it really is. Um, it, it, if, it, if it landed on Earth... Uh, with its full weight, it, it would fracture the earth. And do you know what that made me just think about? And I thought, I thought about this in the last 10 minutes because my mind works slowly. Um, you know, the, the the Cardiff Fault, you know, in Torchwood. And w- I'm wondering whether it was a, a, a Tardish crash landing in Cardiff that actually opened up the fault. <laughs> you know, where the Tardish goes to... Uh, get energy from well yeah i was thinking of that too while you know when it needed energy i was thinking of that rift 
you know, where he, usually the doctor yeah. would park the TARDIS and refuel up, you know, that was the first thing that came to my mind. Uh, another tortured reference here or a nod to torture would be um, the, I believe it was contact lenses that Torchwood had where uh, a person would yeah. wear the contacts and then they could see and hear what that person is experiencing and hear the doctor is using uh, an earpiece that does something very similar to that. Um, right, had nanotechnology in it that yeah. tied into the, uh, cort- um, the, yeah, the visual cortex, yeah. Um, uh, but we, we heard the cloister bell. We heard um, um, about this um, siege mode. Uh, but one, one thing I will say off the bat, although I really did enjoy this story and I'm happy to talk, say very nice things about it, um, uh, it could be, uh, I mentioned it before about the school one where we had the clock that made, uh, the watch that made uh, Danny Pink invisible that, that was borrowed for him. Uh, mm-hmm. And I said, the trouble with that thing, I hope it gets lost on the TARDIS because we can't have episodes where the way to get out of it is be by being invisible. That's something... That, that would be too easy for the doctor to escape, uh, to spy on things. It's too too much of a. I mean, he's got the um, the sonic screwdriver, which you know is used maybe too frequently to get him out of trouble. So we don't want something like uh, basically um, you know Harry Potter invisibility cloak in Doctor Who. Uh, so while the doctor was ensconced here in the TARDIS, it was fine. But I wouldn't like it to be where he could come out of the TARDIS point the sonic screwdriver at it, miniaturise it, put it in his pocket, because one of the major story plots, isn't it, with Doctor, is that once they're actually involved in an adventure, the TARDIS has come part of it. And, uh, for instance, at Voyage of the Damned, the TARDIS flees to safety and lands uh, back on Earth. Uh, in 42, it's trapped at the other end of the spaceship. They can't get to it. It's not an esca- easy escape route. Even on the uh, Mummy on the Orient Express, uh, there was a force field around the TARDIS that stopped Clara uh, ducking into it with the with the young girl Daisy. Um, oh, just, uh, uh, Daisy, sorry. So, last year, the Cold War, the, the you know the the Ice Warrior episode, you know the at the end of it, the the TARDIS is on the others on the other pole, you know that they're they're on. I forget right. which the one was yeah. on the North Pole and the one was on the South Pole. I forget. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so I wouldn't like it where the Doctor could, you know, I mean we've had the Doctor can snap his fingers and open the door, but I wouldn't like it where he could actually. I mean, obviously, you could put the chameleon circuit back on uh, and maybe it changed, but even when it had the chameleon circuit uh, and the master had the chameleon circuit, it's always been big enough to have a a portal in it, a doorway in it, hasn't it? Obviously, for for, for ingress and outgress, or what you call it. Um, So you had a... We've had a a pillar, haven't we? We've had Mm -hmm. a a stand-up organ. Uh, We've had a, a, a grandfather clock with the different TARDIS. Uh, I can't remember what the Rani's had, but um, uh, I'm just saying that I don't... I hope it doesn't become a device plot for future stories. Yeah, I don't don't think they're going to do too too much, if at all, but, yeah, it's... um I, the chameleon circuit was was running and then it ran out. Of, I mean, it's been running. You know, it's just stuck. It's it's stuck in the shape of a police box. Um, we had, a, uh, you know, during the Colin Baker years, they experimented. You know, having it change into different things and then it reverted back to the police box. But it's actually running. It's just when it ran out of power, it reverted to this um, this Gallifreyan cube 
um, it, it looks like the the box when the Pandora Pandorica opens. It's, it has that similar um, theme to it, but you know with Gallifrey oh. writing and um, what you know what have you on it. So uh, it reminded me of the moment as well. The mm-hmm. uh, from the day of the Doctor, although that was much more elaborately outlined. But yeah. it was obviously, it had gone down to its minimum form factor, which would be a cube one would expect. Yeah, though when the Doctor steals the TARDIS, uh, it's, it, they're, more, they're more like tube shapes, you know. They, they, That's true. There's That's a, true. yeah, they're, they're, I'm trying to remember where that was from. But, but getting back to the weight, um, I... I, don't, I could be mistaken, and, and please, you know, listeners, um, <laughs> send feedback and inform me. But I, I, there might have been another reference somewhere else in the long history of Doctor Who about the ref, uh, referring to the weight of the TARDIS. Because, um, you know, over the years we've seen, uh, you know, the TARDIS wind up in different planets and different times in history, and the locals will put it, you know, pick it up and carry it and bring it, you know, in different places, put it on the back of a horse and carriage type of thing so we we know that the weight is is variable but yeah I, yeah I, I think i think the way that it, it normally assumes is is the the weight one would expect from the the object it is it is yeah um if, if you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh, um but we've had we've certainly had i mean we've had the dr jettison whole sections of the time oh, yeah haven't yeah. we when the uh anyway back to the story yes <laughs> I don't know if you can still hear me out there. The TARDIS is now in siege mode. No way in, no way out. I managed to turn it on just before the train hit. But there's not enough power left now to turn it off. What's going on? Why the red light? MI5, we've got a... Uh... Blockage in the tunnel. Can we ram the... Blockage. The train's empty, isn't it? Yeah, it's out of service, but... Oh, you need someone to hold the dead man's handle. Won't run without it. Is this official? Because I've always wanted to ram something. Can we rig it to drive without that? Send it in with no driver. to ram them, buy you some time. You'll die. Yeah, of course I'll die. Now go. Well, why do you want to do that? Just go, okay? Let me do this. Okay, fine, yeah. And I'll always remember you. Fine, you're great. Because I was just going to do this. No driver required. And I'd really like that headband, but otherwise I'll just take it, will I? And every time I look at it, I'll always remember the hero who died to save it. I also want to make a point, and I, sh- I, off- I have to give um, hats off and a nod to... Uh, Rick B. Walsh and Twitter and Twitter, who had tweeted me about this, um, brought it to my attention. That, oh, I, I, I might have caught it on my own, but I'm, I'm not sure if, if I would have on the first or second viewing. Um, but the train in the, in that scene there, that's um, I, I, I believe it was that scene or, or one of the scenes is um, the train is A113, which is the number on the train, which is a inside joke for production um, in. Um, it, in, in film and television and what have you, uh, it's um, you can spot it in many different um, movies and television stories. And um, if I'm gonna, well, for those in, in chat, I'll put a um, a reference, a Wikipedia page reference to it. But it it's a callback to uh, to an animation, I believe, an animation class that was held in that room 
if I, I if I re, if I'm remembering correctly, um, it's a, a, a graphic design studio uh, that was held in classroom A113, and it's 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 been an ongoing nod, just similar to the Wilhelm scream that you hear in various different um, productions over and over again. It's it's similar to that, and uh, yeah, I'm gonna for those in chat. Um, there's a, a wicked Wikipedia page about it, but the train is numbered that, so I uh, just thought I'd, I'd make a reference to that. And thanks for Rick for point, <coughs> excuse me, for pointing that out. Okay, I, I just prior to that was just mentioning about the actual CGI on this uh, episode. I mean, the, the, that train sequence ends with the train uh, actually being flattened against the. Uh, um, the tunnel wall, but there's some beautifully realised things all the way from the beginning with the, uh, the, the 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 events in the house, and then very frighteningly, I thought the uh, the scene in the, the the tunnel where that Clara's getting them out when one of the the group uh, is absorbed into the wall and then pivots round, and then all the other images pivot round, and then they they, they come out. Uh, what we'd later find out to be called the boneless. Um, mm. uh, I'm not too sure why they cut. Well, I mean, the way they looked, the doctor's framed and that. But also we know that um, from the earlier captures, they'd examined the skin, they examined the nervous system. Maybe they just hadn't got around to examining the bones. Um, uh, but they had this sort of floppy and indistinct structure. I thought they were amazingly uh, yes. frightening. Because yeah. although... This episode had quite a lot of humour. I mean, <laughs> the scene where the, where Clara suggests to him, you know, do the thing, the thing, you know, the thing, the Adams family thing. Yeah. Uh, and he moves entirely off the tracks, and then he does a happy dance because he's achieved it, and the happy dance destabilises the Tardis, falls back on the track. Thought all that humour was great, but none of the humour was related to the actual creatures who themselves were particularly frightening and. Um, I know way back in the earlier episodes they were saying, oh, they're going to be quite frightening, these episodes. But I think these last two episodes, uh, The Mummy from last week and this, uh, uh, are uh, have been more frightening. And it's great that this is a debut writer, uh, writer doing his debut that has um, come up with these... Uh, well, you could argue that he was told to write about a mummy uh, in the, his first one, but um, they are great ones. And... Um, some of the people I've been listening to have also said that um, um, in the 50th anniversary year, we were seeing a lot of callbacks. You know, we were seeing the Ice Warriors, we were seeing, uh, uh, you know, uh, monsters from uh, previous episodes, you know, bringing them forward full mm -hmm. reign to, um, you know, to celebrate them in a way. Uh, in this series, we seem to have had, you know, well, we've done the 50th anniversary, now we need to make new uh, creations, new uh, yeah. monsters, new. I mean, we had the obligatory uh, um, um, Dalek episode, you know, into Dalek, you know, and they sort of got that out of the way. And um, there is one. I mean, because you know, I've seen scenes of them shooting it with these um, adversaries that are familiar to Doctor Who. So that that has yet to be broadcast. So um, I don't know if, if that's if that's going to be yeah. in, in in this set of episodes or because I. As I said in the past, I try not to uh, get too much into uh, learning about what's coming up in future episodes because of spoilers. So I don't know if that's a Christmas one or if it's um, in this set before 
before Christmas. Yeah. And if we knew, we probably wouldn't say on audio anyway. But uh, yeah, the, but um, I thought the 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 bones and 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 pertinent to that is the fact that when the doctor um, finally, um, by Clara's clever wit and the talent of the young uh, graffiti artist, uh, trick uh, the the these creatures into basically pushing the energy back into the TARDIS, which I, uh, um, my brother-in-law, Gary, said it, uh, he loved the story, but he did feel as though the TARDIS shouldn't have been drained of all its energy. Uh, we had the um, the egg thing come back again, didn't we? We've had uh, uh, the moon as an egg. The doctor says the TARDIS couldn't even boil an egg. It got so little oh, energy I left. Didn't, yeah, which I, seems, uh, I didn't even draw a connection it, to that. It seemed a little... It, it did seem a pity that... Um, you know, it could be drained so quickly. I mean, obviously, what happened it was when uh, when they were in the house where they'd been absorbed into the wall, and uh, this young lad who's helping Clara thinks she's not all right in the head, so she asked the doctor to open the TARDIS doors so she could introduce him to the doctor. And at that point, somehow, with the TARDIS door open, they drain a lot of the energy. But then later on, they seem to manage to drain energy from the TARDIS, even when it's uh, enclosed. Um, but so quickly. Uh, it did seem a little bit of a weak point, but of course that was part and parcel of the story, I suppose. Now, I, I have to watch this again to really to, to, um, to confirm this, but it, I, I don't know if it's just me, but it, it seemed like when the TARDIS went to siege mode, not only did the TARDIS you know, exterior change its shape, you know, um, because the chameleon circuit lost power. But it looks like Peter Capaldi's hair changed. It seemed flatter, <laughs> you know, it just, it, it seemed more <laughs> puffy before that. And then all of a sudden it looked like he just maybe came out of the shower and combed it flat. And uh, it's, it's, I noticed it on, uh, on both, I saw it twice and I noticed on, on both viewings, but the second viewing, I forgot to like make note of it beforehand. But I, I when I watch it again, I'm going to definitely make note of that. It looks like his hair got flatter when, the, when it went into siege mode. <laughs> yeah. I, th I think that was just the pressure of filming two episodes at once. It was in Kyle and in chat. Uh. I said, it's in 2d. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yes. So he, he got flattened as well. <laughs> At least as Air did. Uh, yeah. Which reminds me uh, now... One thing I will... I, I just want to remind people to put yourself in the queue if you want to chat, um, if you want to, um, you know, participate, and we'll, we'll get to you momentarily. Uh, Dave, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step on your words there. No, no, I apologise. And if it does seem as I do, I think there is a bit of a time delay. Oh, yeah. I was just to say, I mean, we learned this. We, we learned this about the, you know, the fact that the TARDIS is lighter on the outside. The things come back. Um, uh, and one thing about this episode, uh, I shouldn't really mention it, but uh, um, this was no scribble, was it? It was no fear her episode. No, this was a, no. A much better rendition of that. Yeah. That, uh, the, the idea. They, they drew parallels in, it for, in the extra episode. They they put parallel. I, I didn't see any parallels really. I mean, uh, yeah, there's some artwork. Whatever you know, the the tunnels, uh, not not the not the the train tunnels, but that trestle, that whatever, the, the wherever the, the the paintings of the people's backs and they turn around and that might have you know some similarities to fear. But the rest, I didn't think it was fear her at all I, you know, I, so I wouldn't draw that comparison at all 
you know, um, right. I, I like the idea of dealing with 2D beings and creatures and, um, you know, and, and dealing with, dem- you know, so often and I know Stephen Moffat has, you know, when he had taken over, uh, you know, he's done more stories dealing with time. And this now is dealing with dimension, you know, because part of Doctor Who is not just dealing, not just traveling through time, but through, um, you know, dimensions. You know, it's, uh, you know, the, the TARDIS being mm. a reminder of that, being that it's, it's um, you know, transcendental in, in its dimensions. It's, it's bigger on the outside than, it's bigger on the inside than the outside. All right, indeed. listening to Doctor Who Podshock. This is Colin Baker. And we'll be right back with our review of Flatline. Yes, Dave and I will be back reviewing Flatline and we'll be hearing from you our live feedback from uh, those that are called into the show. But first, a word about Audible. Audible is the premier provider of, of digital audiobooks. Audible has over 150,000 titles to choose from in all different genres. And among those 150,000 titles, well, there are over 200 Doctor Who titles. Um, But not just Doctor Who. They have other sci-fi. They have comedy, business, romance, thrillers, all different genres. And Audible titles will play on your iPhone, Kindle, Android, and more than 500 devices for listening anytime and anywhere. For you, Doctor Who, Podshock listeners... Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial so you have a chance to check out their service. And if you decide it's not for you, it's okay. You can cancel and you keep your free audiobook. It's yours to keep. So to download your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com slash podchock. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash podchock for your free audiobook. And as always, if you can't get to that URL now, you can't write it down, you might be driving, you might be hopping, you might be flat, you could be in 2D, you could be in a wall somewhere, uh, have no fear, get to our website, podshock.net, you'll find links to it there as well. We always like to make a recommendation or a referral of what you might want to choose for your free audiobook, but you can choose whatever you like, uh, it doesn't have to be that, whatever they have to offer for a free audiobook selection, you can choose. So what would be a good choice for, um, for this episode, you know, relating to Flatline, perhaps? Well, we did mention the last story that, um, that the Doctor encountered the TARDIS in different dimensions, other than uh, what one might expect, where he had to um, uh, really check the dimensions of the TARDIS and do some block transfer computations. And uh, I'm speaking of Legopolis. Yes, Doctor Who Legopolis. It's uh, it, the it's a novelization by Christopher H. Bidmid, and and it's narrated by Christopher H. Bidmid as well. It's an unabridged reading of the final adventure of the Fourth Doctor. So this is based on the original TV scripts, and as I said, we see um, we learn a little bit about the TARDIS and um, and its size in this story, as we do in Flatline. So let's hear a little bit of how Legopolis starts out. Chapter One. Events cast shadows before them, but the huger shadows creep over us unseen. When some great circumstance hovering somewhere in the future is a catastrophe of incalculable consequence, you may not see the signs in the small happenings that go before. The Doctor did. 
however, vaguely. While the doctor paced back and forth in the TARDIS cloister room, trying to make some sense of the tangle of troublesome thoughts that had followed him from Traken, in a completely different sector of the universe, in a place called Earth, one such small foreshadowing was already beginning to unfold. It was a simple thing. A policeman leaned his bicycle against a police box, took a key from the breast pocket of his uniform jacket, and unlocked the little telephone door to make a phone call. Police Constable Donald Seagrave was in a jovial mood. The sun was shining, the bicycle was performing perfectly since its overhaul last Saturday afternoon, and now that the main water flooding in Burney Street was repaired, he was on his way home for tea, if that was all right with the super. It seemed to be a bad line. Seagrave could hear his superintendent at the far end saying, Speak up. Who's that? But there was this whirring noise, and then a sort of chuffing and groaning. The baffled constable looked into the telephone and then banged it on his helmet to try to improve the connection. If his attention hadn't been so engaged with the receiver, he might have noticed a distinct wobble coming over the police box. Its blue surface shimmered momentarily and grew bluer. The whirring sound stopped, but then so did the voice at the other end of the line as it went dead. The constable looked ruefully at the telephone. Now he would have to cycle all the way back to the station and get permission from the super personally, by which time the sun would doubtless be gone and with it the prospect of a relaxing afternoon in the garden potting out the sweet peas. This speculation was the constable's last thought in the world. As he replaced the receiver, his face was suddenly slammed up against the blue door as if, but that was impossible, something inside the box had grabbed his hand. His arm disappeared up to the shoulder, his head lolled back, the eyes staring, as the throttled terminal gasp bubbled away to a whisper in his throat. From inside the box echoed the light, delicate sound of a chuckle. The TARDIS was full of surprises, but Adric wasn't ready for what he saw when he turned the corner. Suddenly, he seemed to be in the open air, in a sort of crumbling stone courtyard. Once again, that's Legopolis. It's a fourth Doctor story, and this could be yours, your selection for your free audiobook, or you could choose whatever you like. To download your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com slash pachock. Again, go today to audibletrial.com slash Pachak for your free audiobook. Once again, you can also find links to it on Pachak.net. And now, without any further ado, without falling flat, let's get back to our review of Flatline. It's not working. You've killed us all. This is going to save us? Pumping energy into the wall? No. Not into the wall. Through the wall. Rule number one of being the Doctor, use your enemy's power against them. They can't restore three dimensions to a door that never existed. It worked. <laughs> they charged the TARDIS. I tried to talk. I wanted to remember that. I tried to reach out. I tried to understand you, but I think that you understand us perfectly. I think that you just don't care. 
And I don't know whether you are here to invade, infiltrate, or just replace her. I don't suppose it really matters now. You are monsters. That is the role you seem determined to play, so it seems that I must play mine. The man that stops the monsters. I'm sending you back to your own dimension. Who knows? Some of you may even survive the trip. And if you do, remember this. You are not welcome here. This plane is protected. I am the doctor. And I name you the Bumrus. I don't know, Dave. I have to say that this is probably the 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 part of the story which I, I like the least you know this quick resolution and uh, um, I don't know it just it, it, I just wish you know similar to um, the mummy I just wasn't really satisfied with how this was all resolved and it was resolved so quickly and there was so many questions even the doctor was you know saying that I don't know this I don't know that and I don't know I just left it left me with you know just not being feeling satisfied and. You know, and then why would the doctor name them? I mean, they can name them. It just, it just seems like it was done for the audience. You know, we had to have a name for them, so he just proclaimed them the boneless. Which um, um, I, I didn't catch on the first viewing. I, I, I caught that on on the second. Also, the extra. You know, they kept on referring to them as the boneless. But um, I don't know. So I, well, I was I was disappointed how quickly this got resolved, and and it it just left too many questions unanswered and we didn't really learn about anything about these two dimensional beings and why they were here and what they you know what their purpose were well the, to be fair the doctor did try and communicate with them uh, so it wasn't as though he hadn't made that effort also he did say earlier on in the episode um that he could defeat them if he had the power in the TARDIS. So he didn't suddenly think of the solution. He had the solution. Yeah, he, he didn't, have, didn't the power. have the power yeah. to, to implement that solution. Um, uh, and um, I, I, no, I thought it was adequate. And the point is, again, I think last week's story and this week's story are always coming together to the final fact that the, the Doctor and Clara are on the first page. Uh, you know, they've lied to each other. I mean, the Doctor is not concerned that she lied to Danny Pink. The fact that she lied to him when she said that Danny was OK with the travelling. Uh, the uh, the has now walked in the Doctor's footsteps and realised it's a much harder role than, than she thought. There are those decisions, life and death decisions that he's made, you know, for thousands, a couple of thousand years. So I, I thought that was completely rewarding on that level. Um, I didn't think they were throwaway monsters in as much as they were. They had the the scary effect. I thought they were. They, these are really ones to be reckoned with. Um, so I don't think they were dispatched that easily. Although uh, it, it's certainly something you could say. I like the way as well that uh, when before the doctor gave his speech, he readjusted his attire. You know, fastened his button, uh, uh, flared his red inner linings, as it were. Um, slightly yeah. undercut by the fact that when he came out of the uh, TARDIS, he, he didn't exactly stride out. He sort of did a little old man's dance out of the TARDIS, which could have been done in a stronger format. And um, one or two people I've heard have said, you know, D does the Doctor have to make this defining speech that I am the Doctor? Well, I think for the younger audience, that it's a rite of passage to hear the Doctor say 
those words. Well, so whether it's, they're actually... It's similar to the 11th hour where, you know, at the end of the 11th, it seemed like, you know, this is, you know, now like Stephen Moffat trying to prove to everyone that he is the doctor. You know, he at, at, at the end of the 11th hour, you know, with um, the 11th doctor, he had to come out and proclaim himself as the doctor and 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 and, and yell at the alien and not 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 to come back here, you know, um, because I'm here or something like that. You know, that that that's that similar speech. But that, but that, yeah, but that was really one episode. I mean, you could also argue with the David, David Tennant, Tennant in the Christmas, Christmas Invasion. As Cal, as Cal. Christmas Invasion. Yeah. He spent most of the episode, well, all of the episodes in his jammers, and then he suddenly resolved, it, you know, um, uh, with a with a tangerine and a sword. You know what I mean? So to say that this was, I mean, it's taken nine episodes to get to this point. So uh, I would think a lot of people think maybe long overdue. I thought the Doctor arrived last week um, uh, because I like the fact that... Uh, I mean, I like Clara. I think Clara's a fabulous companion. But because they were in separate scenes, because of the way they filmed it, the Doctor was there doing much of his part on his own, doing his shtick and solving the thing. Even though here uh, Clara enabled him, it was still the Doctor that defeated... Uh, he had the the ingenuity and the knowledge, uh, and it was Clara on the outside that, working in you know in concert with him, uh, got the the power back to the TARDIS so that he could then uh, do that uh, scene. And she throws him the uh, sonic screwdriver. Uh, I thought it was very satisfactory and visually, uh, it was all very well done. Uh, I think you know last week's episode and this week's episode are definitely for me both four and a half. Uh, again, I'm still not quite sure, but I've gone up to a five on the uh, the mummy one. Holding me back was the fact that some of the, the you know the uh, the characters in there, the the stand-ins, as it were, looked a little bit. It, it seemed to, if they'd just been able to give them a line each, even to make them look less like spare parts, it would have just integrated it better. With this one, I, I'm not too sure. I think if they could have just made the TARDIS seem a little bit more uh, you know, more powerful it seemed to be weakened a little bit too easily, but we've had that before haven't we, in, was it the Hyde story um, where uh, the Doctor, when he takes it to the uh, that other dimension that bubble universe where that creature is, he said I can only stay in it for a, a, a minute, if I stay in it longer the TARDIS will be marooned there mm -hmm. uh, because of the draining of the energy, because it was a different in that case, it was a different time. Time was going on at a different speed in that bubble universe to our universe. Um, but, um, yeah. no, I, I, I'm always saying my score now so that when you bring the, uh, the next caller in, they can have the floor. Well, let's do that. As always, um, Pachak supporting sub subscribers will be bumped up in the queue. So uh, just our way of, of thanking you for your support. Uh, if you want to learn how to become a supporting subscriber, go to Pachak.net or ArtTrap.com, and there's um, links there on how. And we really, you know, it really does make a difference, and we really do thank those that help um, bring the show to you. So uh, let's bring uh, Kyle in, who has been waiting patiently for the whole show, and we do appreciate that. Welcome back to the show, Kyle. It's good to have you back. Good to be back. Absolutely good to be back. Uh, Dave, good to talk to you again. I enjoyed them this afternoon and getting able to talk to you again or being able to talk to you again. 
Uh, Thank you. Let's good deal. All right, let's start out at the beginning. Or well, I'll kind of bounce around here, but I really like the look of the tube. Uh, it's what I call the cubed TARDIS, the siege mode. Mm-hmm. I did also notice that it looked a little bit like the Pandorica, especially when they uh, charged it and it began flying, changing mm-hmm. back into the full-size police box. To be honest with you, I was almost about to say when it changed back into a full-size TARDIS, but then I thought, you know what, we've never seen a full-size TARDIS, and from the comment that they made or that he made about the size and the weight of the TARDIS, if we saw a full-size TARDIS, I would... I would imagine it would be quite big, and I'd, I'm curious as to how big a full-size TARDIS might be. But um, but back to more uh, onto the episode itself. Uh, you know, the title flatline. If if to make a very corny joke here, I'd probably call it uh, Doctor Claire and. Uh, Cousin Doctor, because I really like the Adams family, the, uh, the the reference using the hand. I thought that was hilarious. Um, I really liked the speech. I mean, I, I do agree with Lewis that it was a little bit rushed at the end. Um, you know, it was the classic, here comes the doctor, five seconds later, uh, the bad guys are gone. But I, I really like where he said, you're not welcome here. I'm the man who stops the monsters. This plane is protected. I am the doctor. And then with with force, I name you the boneless. I, I, for me, that was really, really good. I wish that they would have switched that maybe with um, Into the Dalek and had this as the second episode. Now, you would have had to have rewritten the Danny scenes a little bit, but... From overall, I wish that would have happened earlier mm-hmm. because then that would have, for me, and I, even though I'm a classic fan too, I'm also a fan of the new, and I think it would have solidified him into the role a little bit better. Um, let's talk Clara for a second. As you guys know, a couple of weeks ago, I was very, 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 and let me say very one more time, very harsh on uh, the portrayal of Clara this year. And then in the last couple of weeks, I've taken a complete 180, and I continue taking a complete 180. I thought she did a great job. Um, you know, I think she got to see what it was like um, to be the doctor, to have the weight Hello. of attempting to save everyone to or to save those in danger. Um, I think Matt Smith's doctor, who she was paired with, of course, recently, masked all of that behind all of the playful demeanor and the young, youthful doctorness that he portrayed, whereas this one, of course, we know is reserved and distant. Um, you know, I just think it worked. Now, I do have a comment about the very end, but I wanted to ask, are, are we going to comment on the, the very ending, or do we want to hold that for later? Um, what do you mean by the ending? Do you mean the missing uh, part? The missing. Oh, the, ah, I mean, yeah, next yeah. week? Yeah, no, yes, feel, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, feel free. Uh, well, well, since you said, okay, well, since you said the magic word, uh, I was happy, very happy to see Missy back. Now, true enough, uh, you know, I didn't want to see her in every episode, but knowing that there are only three uh, episodes left, uh, I think it was time. Um, it it does make me want to uh, ask, what does this say for Clara? With Missy saying what she did about my Clara. Um, 
and it also po poses back or points me back into the direction of wanting to know who is Missy, and I think that's a good thing. You know, we, uh, it's created a little bit of mystery for me, and, you know, I like having the mystery. That's part of what's made me enjoy the new version of Doctor Who is the ongoing mystery. So, um, you know, I'm happy to see that. I was happy to see that she was back. Um, this was something that I mentioned uh, to Dave earlier, and I want to mention it again. I noticed that she had an iPad. So, um, you know, D Dave, I think you said that, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, that an iPad was used in the previous episode. Is that right? Yeah, the mummy one, yeah. So after you said that, you know, I think I've figured it out. Uh, I've finally figured out who Missy works for, <laughs> Apple. App Missy works for Apple. So um, having said that, what would I give? <laughs> okay, I'm full of corny jokes today, but uh, what would um, what would I give a rating? I would give it a solid uh, four TARDIS grounds out of five. So I very much enjoyed the episode and knowing that things are going to heat up and fast pace for the next three episodes i hope i'm looking forward to this train ride to the end so <laughs> train uh, ride there we go <laughs> well we had a train I, ride I, for I, the I, last two episodes we, i was fixing to say we've had trains for two episodes we might as well stay on the proverbial train <laughs> Right. Uh, Lewis, if you want, I've got a, a little 12-second clip of uh, what Missy says if you want me to play it. Yes, yeah, go ahead. Clara, my Clara, I have chosen well. There you go. See, I think this insinuates, or we lead, we're, we're led to insinuate that that Missy is perhaps the doctor himself, you know, because, you know, she's saying that she's chosen well, my Clara. And this isn't the first time. Uh, there was a, I don't know if it was, um, was it Deep Breath or um, I'm trying to remember what, what story it might have been where she had said something about, I think it was Deep Breath, um, where uh, I think she made, an, she made a comment about the doctor's accent and she says, I think I'll keep it. Or something like that, if I'm remembering correctly. Again, insinuating yeah, that, yeah. insin insinuating that she and is the doctor, and it's it's like her her speech, her voice to keep, you know. And I think it was in the episode, uh, the name of the doctor, that the doctor himself. I think when he's looking for her, going into his own timeline toward the end, I think he refers to her as my Clara. If I remember correctly. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I, I don't remember, uh, but I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, we do know that this missus seems to have been collecting people at the point of death. And we do know there have been versions of Clara that have died. So, but I mean, um, I, I mean, it's, it, it's nice to have this story arc. Uh, and I'm happy that it's, it's taking a fairly back seat it's not it's not uh, you don't feel as though the story's having to be mangled to fit the the story arc um maybe some people think it's tagged on i don't think so but um, i must admit i wouldn't want it every week but of course you can infer like from the mummy one where she wasn't actually uh mentioned in it we don't know who was controlling uh you know uh the computer on the train 
So she may have been involved in that episode without it actually being spelt out for us. So they're doing it in a very, um, what's the word, a softly, softly approach with this uh, overarch. You know, Dave, you you know, I want to comment on something you just said. A good um, special effect that that they could do with with you saying collecting people uh, right before death, and the fact that uh, she said, "My Clara," would that not be a really cool uh, special effect? Do you see the doctor walk into a room, and there is a room filled with the uh, Dalek terror. Um, uh, the Dalek version of Clara, the 1800s version, and all these other versions that we've never seen before. That, that to me, would be a cool special effect to do. Well, yeah, as long as, uh, I think the only thing that most people would be worried about is that we don't have to wait an, yet another season or series to find out. Uh, I think most people uh, would like it to be a satisfactory conclusion, but in any event, they would like it to be a conclusion if if not in the Christmas episode, um, very soon, you know, not not right. dragged out for three series. Yeah, I, I think the... No, absolutely. I, I, I'm guessing the whole Missy thing will be um, the climax of this series before the, you know, episode 12. That's my, um, you know, especially with the, the title of that episode also ties into um, Missy and everything. Right. Um, also, just going back to the full-size TARDIS, um, Sinbios in chat said, um, stated in chat um, that wasn't the TARDIS sort of full-size um, in the field on, you know, in Trenzalore, you know, the, um, I, I guess it was uh, the Christmas planet. Well, it was still expanding, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was, the, its inside dimensions were leaking out. Yeah. But um, we did, in the, um, in the story where, um, you know, the TARDIS was captured in the... Uh, uh, those three guys, the three brothers, were were sent in to steal its uh, valuables. Oh, mm -hmm. uh, the doctor said there's unimaginable wealth in there, and the device that the um, you know the uh, scavengers ha held down, uh, they couldn't believe how how big and how vast uh, the TARDIS was. I, I don't think uh, so. You know, just almost an infinity of rooms. I, speaking in general terms, I, I don't think there's one set size. Of a TARDIS, you know, interior, because the Doctor can, you know, delete can rooms add and, and take away and yeah. add rooms, you right. know, using block transfer computations, and you know, it's it's almost like doing math, you know, and and um, you know, running a program to to add a room or delete a room. You know, the, the zero room <laughs> was was deleted, and um, so. Good stuff. Well, thank anyway, you. Thanks, Kyle. Yeah, thanks, Kyle. Uh, thank you. Did you, did you. It was a pleasure as usual. Did you give an overall rating? I, I, I can't remember now. Yes, uh, yes, four out of five. Four out of five. Okay, very good. So, once again, right, Kyle, well, guys, thanks. I'll see you next weekend. Look forward to it. Cheers. Have a good one. Thanks. Cheers. I admit it, I did well. Is that PE? Just say it. Why can't you just say it? Why can't you just say I did good? Talk to Soldier Boy. Not him. Come on. Why can't you say it? I was the doctor and I was good. You were an exceptional doctor, Clara. Thank you. Goodness had nothing to do with it. So this is the ongoing theme of this and last week's story, as, as you pointed out, Dave, 
earlier that um, this is more Clara finding out who, what it's like to be the doctor, what the doctor has to go through um, to um, to do what he does. You know, here in this episode, Clara learns um, again what it's like to be the doctor and trying to figure out ways. You know, these puzzles. You know, how to and how the doctor operates and how he you know uses local resources and. Um, and to, to achieve the goals that he needs to achieve and, and how it comes off. And sometimes, um, you know, like last week, you know, she learned, you know, that sometimes being untruthful or leading people one way just, just to get to point A to point B and, and for their own benefit, you know, um, I don't know if it was last week's or this week where, you know, he made a point saying that people that have hope will run faster than people that are, I think it was this week, um, than those that that, yep. that feel that they don't have hope, you know. So, um, you know, it's, it's it's like sharing all these little key ingredients of what the doc, the makeup of the doctor and why he operates the way he does. And maybe he's yeah. not as harsh. I mean, she didn't want. And maybe he's not, he's not as harsh as he comes across, you know, sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the companion wants to usurp the doctor anyway. Those people may be thinking that, uh, but it, she, she's walked in his shoes, and um, it, it must give a great fill up to uh, all the ladies who like to cosplay being the doctor, because uh, now they can cosplay uh, Doctor Clara, can't they? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and uh, you know, the, the Adams family reference, I didn't. Uh, the first time watching it, I didn't realize she actually said, you know, uh, you know, um, make like the Adams family, whatever. But it's a reference to um, Thing, you know, <laughs> on, on the Adams family, which uh, is in a box and is able to uh, manipulate things outside of the of of his box using just, you know, he's just a hand and part of an arm. So it's a nice little cultural Brilliant. reference there, having the Adams family referenced in Doctor Who. Now, oh, the other thing that just reminds me, uh, just thought I didn't mention it earlier today. Uh, there's also a scene in here. Uh, did it not remind you of the Eighth Doctor? There's a scene where he's wearing these sort of uh, spectacles with all the um, oh the dials yes, around yeah, it, like, yeah, um, yeah. It did. I just and I thought, Paul McGann, Paul McGann, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's amazing when these things that jump into your mind. When uh, I mean, obviously, you've already admitted that you you need to watch it again. Uh, I do. I do. I, I, it, uh, I, I did yeah. catch it twice, but I have to admit that um, I was I was fairly tired both times watching it. Um, but I, I so I, you know I do want to give it another chance and watch it again. I'm going to give it three out of five Tardis groans. Maybe it will jump up to three and a half, possibly four on on rewatch. Uh, my my biggest complaint really was just not having the, having the boneless basically um, you know resolve this whole you know that that we're, we're calling them boneless because that's what the doctor named it and I, I you know I, I didn't really get why the doctor had to name name it but only because now fans have a name for him where before if he didn't name him we would all be calling him different things um, you know so I I thought. Um, I just wish it was a um, a more satisfying resolution. It just seemed very quick. You know, it was like the, within the last few minutes of the story. And um, I know, Dave, you had mentioned that he had said it before and he didn't have the power. Yes. But I just wish that we learned more about him 
And, and I, I guess that leaves the door open for future episodes where we may see them again. But I, it was obviously done really for the scare factor and all that, and I just, which is fine, but I just wanted more meat on the bone, if, if you will. <laughs> so um, I, that was my main complaint, really, with it. it. It seemed to slow down a little. The pacing seemed to slow down once they got into the tunnels. Once they reached that train warehouse, um, I felt... Um, I thought the very I, the rest of the episode was going very well, and I thought the pacing was done very good, and it was very enjoyable. But then it just seemed to, I don't know, bog down a little bit once they got into the into those uh, the train warehouse, and then uh, I'm saying warehouse, but hangar, whatever you want to call it, where they keep the trains, and then into the tunnels. It seemed to the, the pacing seemed to slow down a little, even though there was a lot of action sequences there. I I, I don't know. I, I don't. Maybe I'm I'm not. Um, maybe it's just me, and, and maybe I might change, you know, change my mind when I see it again. Well, I, I think because it was, a, uh, even, even I know it sounds picking hairs just a couple of minutes shorter, but I think that made it snappy. Maybe something had to be taken out at the last minute, and that's why it's a little bit shorter. But I thought it all hung together very well. Um, one of the things I mentioned is that we were mentioning comments from last week about uh, Mummy on the Orient Express, how we were getting this uh, Sherlock uh, vibe a little bit from the you mm-hmm. know the deduction going on and, and things. And here we have it again with the, you know, um, the doctor saying, oh, I love a locked, a locked door mystery. Uh, and they're trying to work out if they, you know, uh, the person's in the room, they didn't leave the room, but the room is empty. You know, what are the solutions? Which is classic Sherlock, isn't it? Uh, when you've eliminated the impossible, uh, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the answer. And the improbable is that they're still in the room. Either they've been shrunk down, like the TARDIS has, or they're in the walls. Uh, so I thought it was great. Uh, uh, from the extra programme, we saw one of the references to this. As we said, this writer works with visual clues. Uh, he referenced a very famous painting, didn't he? Um, uh, who's the fa- it's a famous painting with a skull in it that you have to look in a very peculiar direction to actually see it as a skull. Uh, I think it's a Leonardo da Vinci painting or something. Um, oh, Holbein it is. Um, um, my first drawing of the boneless uh, accompanies the post, so I also included a printout of Holbein's sketched hole, the version which I envisage at least... Well, and perhaps that's where they got the, uh, the name boneless, because he didn't have a skull in it. But, um, you know, it has to be seen as an angle. And we see this, this man stripped along... This is in the opening scene, which, again, was very short, only about a minute and four seconds before we go to the title sequence. But as the camera pans you know, flat to the wall, the elongated figure of the face became recognisable as a face. Yeah. Um, so I think it was very slick production. The, um, the, the special effects, uh, I mean, I don't know whether Doctor Who wins many awards for special effects, uh, and we know it was the mill that used to do it. I'm not sure whether it's done in-house now, um, but... Uh, uh, the the people who did it did a really excellent yes. job on this, yeah. uh, and that's obviously where the budget went. Yeah, it was all realized very well, that, and we see a little bit how they did it in um, in the extra um, episode where they, they shot an old they they rotated the actors and they they basically made a three D model of them and um, they were able to um, you know uh, create this um, effect that they had for for the boneless, which I think 
worked very well, especially their movements and all that was very jerky and creepy, and uh, I think they did a great job there. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, I, th- I thought I had more to say, but now, uh, <laughs> now it's not coming to me. So, I mean, I, I did enjoy it. I thought it was good. I just, uh, again, I, I thought maybe if there was more where the doctor worked out how to how to defeat maybe if we just were privy to that where um you know it it just seemed very convenient and and quick and um and i, I it just left me wanting a little more than what we got but um but other than that you know i i did enjoy it and i'll i'll see how um we'll probably do at the end of the series we'll do a wrap up on how we felt about the whole series of you know this season so far and i have to say that a lot of it does have um, I hate to use the word classic. But to me, it's all Doctor Who, but, you know, a classic feel to it. You know, I, a lot of the stories um, do, I mean, the, the shrinking of the TARDIS and all that just, uh, again, uh, um, you know, I think of Legopolis and, and other, you know, we mentioned earlier other stories that, that, that had that effect. And just it just has that feel, um, you know, that, that um, feel of, of old-time Doctor Who. Very, very strong episode. I'm not sure whether it was the best one yet, but it's certainly the last two have been outstanding and so great that that is from, uh, you know, the uh, a new writer because it bodes well for the future. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, hopefully it will get them to bring in more new talent and, uh, uh, and, and give them a chance to prove themselves. I mean, this fellow first pitched, Jamie Matheson, first pitched a story in 2004. Took him 10 years to get the story aired so well done him yeah absolutely well we'll be back next time and it's um next time it's uh the name of the story is in the forest of the night so uh, that's we, we've seen a little bit of that and let's hear a little bit from it i think it's lovely reached your destination. No, we haven't. We're supposed to be in the middle of London. You have reached your destination. Oh, stop saying that. She's only saying it because it's true. We are in the middle of London. We are in the middle of a forest. Come on, team, let's do this. We will, if we stop calling us a team. So that's next week. That's going to be episode 10. And then um, we have uh, two more after that. Coming very quick, yeah. Um, and, and by the way, um, I knew I was, um, again, my, my mind's ticking over slowly, but it doesn't <laughs> tick over. Um, the title, was, it, it was the brilliant way you said the title. It's all acknowledgement to you. In the Forest of the Night. It's um, It's a... Um, from a poem, isn't it? Tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forests of the night. Ah. Must be related. Oh, that's yeah. forest of the night, mm. the forest of the night. It must be, uh, that's a William Blake poem. I'm sh- I, when I saw the title, I thought, something familiar about this, and then you read it. But that is tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forests of the night. But maybe it's a homage to that. I'm sure it is, yeah. Interesting, you know, arriving at our destination, and it seems that, um, the last few episodes 
we had a lot of traveling, you know, being um, on trains. And, and next week, it seems, uh, I'm not saying we're going to be back on our train, but we're, we're traveling and, and <laughs> transportation is involved. <laughs> and it's quite appropriate with our little chat room here because we've got a dragon in the chat room and we've got three lions in the chat room as well. So, Which reminds us, yeah, if you want to put... already for next week. If you want to put your ratings in chat, we'll um, oblige you with um, reading them out. Um, on how you felt about this episode. Uh, again, if you want to go to podshock.net, we have a poll there as well, and you can share how many TARDIS groans you would give it there as well. Right. And uh, the poem is um, the poem is "Tiger Tiger" by William Blake. Oh, very good. Well, tiger, I, I, tiger burning bright in the forests of the night. What immortal hand or eye could frame thy fearful symmetry? Hmm. Oh, you get culture on this show. <laughs> Very good. Well, only because you're here, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we'll be back next week. Same uh, back channel <laughs> or TARDIS channel. Uh, TUDIS channel. <laughs> Well, yeah, Three Lions says, I would say a four. It was nice to see an alien that wasn't uh, just misunderstood and really did want to kill us. Okay, Thank well, you, Three Lions. Yeah, I, I, I think that's the conclusion that we would have, you know, that the doctor reached. Three Lions, sorry. And, and, and we, you know, we have to reach as well, you know, that. Um, so thank you for your, for sharing that. Three lions, which is going to be very appropriate for next week, because um, I, I, I think we see a tiger. I don't know if, we, if there's any lions, but you never know. I, I'm wondering with three lions whether he's an England football fan, because they have three lions on this shirt. Oh, that's a possibility. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you're welcome to join us next week. Uh, we do have the running chat. We do uh, do take live callers, so we want to hear what you have to say. And of, of course, you can call the Podchock Public Call Box and um, you can go to our website. I, I'm saying go to our website because the number may change. But uh, and check you know, when you go to our website, go to uh, feedback. There's a tab on the top. The number for the Podchuck Public Call Box, as it is right now, is two zero six three three seven four six nine nine, and we'll get to your feedback. Or you can also, if you have a smartphone, um, or you can do it on your computer. You can record something. Uh, um, many smartphones have um, voice memo feature uh, capability, and you can just. Uh, then email it to feedback at net, And you can find uh, Dave. He accepts feedback as well. You could catch Dave not only on Doctor Who Podshock, but also on the Cultum Collective, which is on, uh, which is live, which is on TalkShoe as well, two hours before us at 2 p.m. Um, East, well, to, to Eastern Time. And I'm, 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 I was about to say Eastern Daylight Time, but I just realized about two weeks that's going to be changing, or three weeks, or two weeks. It's at least here well, in the U.S. Well, for me, it changes next week in, next week, in yeah. U.K. time, but it, all times on Torchure are Eastern time. Yes, so uh, you can catch that, and also, after the fact, on your favorite podcast, podcast, podcast catching client, and I'm not going to say that ten times fast. <laughs> it's, it's past his bedtime, folks. It's, it's been past my bedtime for many hours. So, um, oh, also the the, uh, the room number. I, when I was mentioning the the um, the, the number A one one three, that's on the 
on the train. I should I said it was the uh, first year graphic design studio classroom. It's um, and the classroom is uh, um, located in the California Institute of Arts, which um, many um, people in the film and television business comes from, and that's you know it's it's a nod to that. And uh, again, if, um, if if you Google it, um, you'll find you know information about it. It's it's it appears in in too many things. Um, you know, from The Simpsons to uh, to Disney movies to whatever you know, many Pixar films. So uh, you can, if you want to explore the reference to that, it's it's you just Google it because it's too much for me to um, relay here. All right, I guess that's it. Is that it? Anything else? No, I think that's it. Okay. Well, cheers, everyone. Until next time. Bye. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Doctor Who Podshock, presented to you by the fan-run GallifreyNMC.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Podshock theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This podcast is also supported by the Podchuck Podcast Companion app now in the iTunes App Store. Visit arttrap.com for more information on this and other podcasts. This should be able to restore dimensions. See what I called it? 2D is. 2D is. No, Tudis. It's called the Tudis. Oh, God. I don't even bother.